Start your engines and join me in the new mobile game, RuPaul's Drag Race Superstar. May the best superstar win. Available now. In a world full of straight people, aren't you glad there's WOW Presents Plus, the number one place in the world to see Drag Race? Subscribe to WOW Presents Plus. Still only $4.99. Subscribe today as streamed on TV. I'm Matt McConkie. I'm a writer, performer, and host of this podcast about And Just Like That. But now that we've recapped both seasons of the show, I couldn't help but wonder, should I go back and cover the original Sex in the City? The answer, of course, is no, but I can't be stopped, so every week I'll be joined by my very own Mirandas and Charlottes to unpack an episode or movie of their choosing. We're doing Sex in the City Roulette with extra Samantha and none of the Che. And just like Matt, welcome to the show. Welcome back. Happy holidays. I have got a Christmas and Hanukkah treat for you all. We are finally going to discuss the post-it. And I ain't talking about the ones invented by Romy and Michelle. I'm talking about Sex in the City, season six, episode seven, The Post-It Always Sticks Twice, in which, according to HBO's logline, Carrie agrees to go to bed, a hot new club, in an attempt to get over the post-it traumatic stress caused by Burger. That's right. We're going to be unpacking our collective post-it traumatic stress, our P-I-T-S, here today. But I'm not dealing with my pits alone. I'm joined by two beloveds. First one is a writer, director, and star of The Skinny, which was produced by Joey Soloway, premiered at Sundance, won a Webby for Best Series. She's developed and written projects for CW, ABC Digital, Facebook Watch, Hulu, is currently developing a TV series about Jewish-Polish teenagers during Hitler's rise to power, and a musical about Anne Frank that she's going to sing for us today. Jesse Conweiler, hello. Oh my God. I'm so distracted by how hot you look in these glasses. Oh my God. Oh, good Lord. They're new. This is a new thing. You look hot, Matt. I don't know about these. Thank you for saying that um, as scripted. And we are also joined by an actor, writer, and comedian. Her work's been featured on Funny or Die, The Huffington Post, Occupied Democrats. Recently, she was on America's Got Talent. You can catch her on her PBS show, SPTV, or on her UCB home team, Baby Todd. But her most prestigious credit is that she is my little brother's girlfriend. Alex Nader, hi. Oh, hi, Matt. I really do need you to know that I have been truly only dating, been dating your little brother in order to be here now, quite frankly. This get was to kind this of moment. get to this moment. You've played a long game and you played it very well. Yeah, thank you. The question is, do you think he'll listen? And I don't ask that with any, I don't expect anybody to listen to my podcast, but now that you're here. I think he'll listen. I think he will listen. I, I plan to reveal things today that he doesn't know about. So I hope he listens. Oh, I baby. hope he. I hope so too. Yeah. <laughs> Does he, has he ever seen this episode of Sex and the City? Like, did he watch it with you? Okay, Matt, as you know, when we were playing a family round of charades and Kim Cattrall was the mm -hmm. thing that you had to do charades the for, yeah. the man didn't know her name. He couldn't, oh, couldn't pick right. her in a lineup. He has no idea who these four women are, which hurts me to my core, but it's okay. It's also, it means that this is just for us. 
it's amazing that you're you able do a to still have such a great relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And by the way, Jesse, when we played, we were playing celebrity as, celebrity as a family. And when Kim Cattrall was the, was the, you know, the, the clue that you're trying to guess the, whatever that is. And uh, Brendan's dad, when he was given that clue, we were in the charades only portion of the game. He was, because we had established she's from sex in the city. Like, you know, you, I don't need to walk people through how to play celebrity beginning to end. Anyway, the point of the story is just that Brendan's dad had to hump the air and it was very funny. Who cares? Wait, Brendan is your brother. Brendan is my brother. We can do my full <laughs> one man show if you want, but I was adopted. Oh, Brendan's right. mom is my birth mom. So he, we've only known each other since 2009. Fascinating. Which, yeah, he was like a teenager then and it still is. Yes. As far as I'm concerned. Jesse, give us your history with Sex in the City. Because when I when I texted you to ask about being on the show and I just said, like, what is your like interest level? You responded, it's very important to me. So um say more about that. Um, I just see like the DVDs like stacked in my college dorm room. Like they're to me, Sex in the City should always be viewed on DVDs, drunk slash hungover and you know, listen, I think people can say a lot of stuff now about like, oh, it was whitewashed. It, you know, I know there's all these like problems, but to me, Sex and the City holds up as such a such a matriarchal piece of art. And it's so important. Mm. And like before I even knew what these things were, do you know what I mean? Like all of the things that we yeah. learned from Sex in the City about like what it means to be a woman and what's a fuck boy and what's getting, what's getting crumbs from a relationship, you know, female friendships as soulmates, like before I even had the language for those things, like it's just such a revolutionary piece of media. Like Sex and the City is very much my Sopranos. So yeah, it's very Same. important to me. Same. I, I am watching Sopranos for the first time right now, and turns out it's also a very good show. It's not as good as this one. Never, never, nothing ever will be. But Alex, you're nodding along. Yeah. But the sad truth is, you're much younger than we are. I mean, Jesse's yeah. much younger than I am. You're much younger than both of us. Mm-hmm. But you are a fan. You are a New Yorker. How did you discover the great works? Jesse, it's so funny. I also see the DVDs in my mind, mm. but I. I remember coming How to them because you? I would. How old are you, Alex? I'm 30. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, that's that's great. Sex and the yeah. City age watching, though. That's great. Okay. It is. It is. It's true. I've I've come to it many times, but the first time I came to it, yeah, I was like a young tween stealing my sister's DVDs to view and watch these women, and then seeing it again in my 20s, single, being a New Yorker, now entering my 30s. I'm like, oh, the content holds you guys the situations what they're saying how they're dealing with different men it holds it really does in some stuff doesn't obviously but the majority of it i think does yeah how would you characterize those younger those those single years because obviously i know you as my brother's partner so that's not a, a chapter in your life that i got to experience I was a, I mean, I was a hot mess, if that's what you want to know. I was a mess. I was out there taking real bullets in the wild. (laughs) (laughs) I was, I was extremely dating in my twenties to, to the detriment of my mind, body, and soul. But (laughs) because of that, 
this show has been a guiding star in a lot of ways, just because guys, I was, I, I, yeah, I was a single woman in New York city. I'm still in New York city. Period. I guess I'm not single, but I'm Period. still a woman. Period. Yeah. Jesse, I, did you live in New York? I, I, I don't know if I know this. Um, I like to say that I lived in New York. What I really did was live in New York like two summers during college, but I lived in an NYU dorm right outside of Washington Square Park with no air conditioning. I then the next summer I lived in Chinatown off Mott in a I slept on an egg crate on the floor. Like I I did it. I was I was um what do they say about New York? Like you need to be broke or old and like young and broke or old and rich. So I definitely did That's the correct. young broke coke experience which was great Mm. so let's get into this episode because it opens in such a classic sex in the city man you know we're we're getting the hustle bustle of the city charlotte's hailing a cab but she's so happy about being engaged she gives it away to someone else and then carrie meanwhile charging down the street angry as hell because at the end of the last episode she received the infamous post-it breakup note from burger that says i'm sorry i can't don't hate me then she sits down for brunch to unpack it with the girls. So let's do that now. In terms of Carrie's worst boyfriends of all time, I'd say Petrovsky, number one for me, but then Big and Berger are probably tied for number two. Alex, how does Berger stack up for you? It's so hard because at first you love him. You're like, oh, is this the guy? Like they really set it up as if they're so compatible in so many ways. And he gives that like grounded schlubby vibe that you feel like really juxtaposes someone as sort of like peacockishness of Carrie more so, Mm. you know what I mean? And you do wonder Mm. if it's just like, does the show need to do a character assassination because we need to move her forward? Or is this a valid reason that he just turns into an asshole? And I think it's a valid reason. I think him not being able to live with her success in this because they live in the same worlds is like very accurate that happens yes you know what i mean that happens so Big time. yeah i think B- burger is up there with like someone i hate yeah jesse you're a burger truther right You've- <sighs> i um no i totally agree with alex i mean i am in ptsd of all the fucking loser filmmakers that I dated in my 20s and 30s because oh, um, speak on it oh. I mean it's so true Alex it's like you set it up and what's so brilliant about her performance and the show is you're like you see her writer brain working like of course everything that happened to me and everything I went through with Big and Aiden it all led to this and I'm a writer and he's a writer and we're going to be this writer power couple and it's like Every single fucking time I would do that. Like, we're this going to be this filmmaking couple and we'll be at Sundance together and like writing the movie of your relationship. So I think the show sets it up Mm. brilliantly. Brilliantly. it's, It's so insidious. The little ways in which she makes herself smaller. Like I think with big... With Big, she's she turns into a baby, but with Burger, she's almost like a little teenager, you know, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, we're you know spending the night at his house and di- and just like it, it's such a it's such a tragic performance. So um, mm-hmm. no, I hate Burger with every fiber yeah. of my being, and I just I love this episode so much. I'm so grateful we're talking. I love about it too. It. It's so healing. Can I say one more thing that I think is a masterpiece Please. of this show? Is I also think if if Berger is like, oh, it's a man who cannot handle her success when they live in the same universe, 
then an Alexander Petrovsky is brilliant to have next because he takes his work so seriously that she is nothing in comparison. That's the next man. That is the next story, which is another story that we all know so well when you're with someone who their work comes first, always to the detriment of your well-being. God, that's very true. The, the brilliance of the episode beforehand, what, we, what, what happened, was she was already there. I can't tell you the number of times I've been like, oh, yeah, obviously I need to break up with him. Like, yeah, obviously yes. I'm going to do it. But he comes back with this grand sweeping gesture and it's like, yes, I believe. So it was just like, he, it, it, he's cruel to me. And, and this episode mm-hmm. is about... Carrie picking up the pieces and there's there's been so many times like I'm thinking of this one guy specifically that he felt very similar to Berger in his like cruelty and the things that he would say to me and I literally spent the next six months just telling anybody that would listen like look at what happened to me and that's the way that we deal with trauma as females and gay men right it's like telling the story of what happened which is such a beautiful a beautiful episode. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. You know, I just had a little flashback to something else that happened previous to this episode. And I can't believe I'm I'm like almost gonna defend Burger here because I'm Please. that's not where I'm coming from. Please know that. But I'm thinking back to the conversation they had after she read his book and she really drills down on the um the scrunchy, the scrunchy thing. Yes. And it's in interaction, it's it's also like scrunchies have come in and out of style so many times and what they mean fashion wise has changed so many times that it's a weird like hill to die on but it was also like a very annoying note that she didn't seem to like the fact that she is a writer and didn't understand how annoying it was to say that i don't know i am i'm not seeing him in a new light i'm not but but it's it's the one area where i'm like i don't think she was wrong I i get it but that is also so triggering. I don't know. Oh, my God. Jesse is also shaking her head with me, <laughs> feverishly oh wanting God. to get and jump into this because it's to deal with artistic men's sensitivities is so wild. Like, mm. I don't have enough space left in my heart anymore to deal with the sensitivities of men. I don't. Like, it's a, it was a joke. Your book is published. Move. We gotta move on. Get over that. <laughs> yeah. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And I will say, this might surprise you guys. So my favorite Carrie relationship is actually big before he proposed. I think that's when it got like unrealistic and that would never happen. To me, and Big also makes an appearance in this episode, and I'm reminded Big can take a fucking joke. There's a self-seriousness with Burger that is so off-putting to me. How many times was Carrie like, you old fucking man? And because Big is confident, he can take a fucking joke. And to me, like, that's yeah. a man. And that's why Big's not her worst boyfriend of all, t- all time, mm-hmm. but he is up there for me. You know, at brunch, the girls are all trading their war stories about bad breakups. And Jesse, you alluded to a couple. I've had a, a few of my own. Do either of you have like a a post-it equivalent in your own life, whether you, you know, got dumped by someone in a terrible but unforgettable way or did that to someone else? Jesse, do you have one? I can jump in. I could jump in while you think because I, I think I got 
yes. There was a time when it was actually a, a beautiful time while it was good. I was dating um, a jazz musician in New York. Wow. Yeah, trumpet player. Very Carrie Bradshaw. Very Carrie Bradshaw. <laughs> I remember this was, I don't know, this was years ago and he had a blue check mark for a jazz musician. So I remember being like, ooh. Um, Huge. So <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but I remember I went to a jazz club one night and the song he played was about breaking up with someone. And then he broke up with me oh. that night. And he was like, didn't you get it oh. from the song I played? Oh, God. <laughs> Warmer, sunnier days are a-coming, and you are probably working on those wellness goals for summer. I know I am, and I am fueling up for them with Factors No Prep, No Mess Meals. With 35 different meals, more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, with Factor, you will always have new flavors to explore. And you know, when you support our sponsors, you support me and our show. So if you visit factormeals.com slash likemat50 and use code likemat50, you will get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription's active. So make your day delicious. From breakfast to dessert, you can stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. And these are premium ingredients. I'm talking restaurant-quality meals like filet mignon, shrimp, blackened salmon. So head to factormeals.com slash likemat50 and use code likemat50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code likemat50 at factormeals.com slash likemat50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Well, they say time waits for no one and neither should payday. To get your money moving in the direction of your dreams, get Earn In. Earn In is the app that's helping millions of Americans feel self-sufficient without falling into debt traps. Earn In empowers you to live life to the fullest by providing up to $100 a day of your pay within minutes of earning it, no mandatory fees, and no credit check. You just watch your earnings tick up as you work, access up to $750 per pay period. It's easy and free to get started. You just add your bank and employment info. They'll verify your paycheck. It's designed to support you in the short term and long term. So download Earn In today. That's e a-R-N-I-N in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, just type in Just Like Matt under podcast when you sign up. It'll really help the show. That's Just Like Matt under podcast. Earn In is a financial technology company, not a bank, subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Oh my god! And did you get it? Did you when you heard the song? Of course, were you I like, didn't get it. I was like, "This is all no. jazz songs have our breakup or love songs." I was thought he was just playing a song. Were there vocals, Alex, or was it just instrument like slapping on the bass? Oh, th- there was a vocalist. She was lovely. I mean, he was trumpet playing, and mm. and then he was like, "Yeah, I requested that song." to be played so that this moment on the street later on that night wouldn't come as so much of a shock to you. Honey, I was shocked. Uh, this, that truly feels like a Carrie storyline where you'd be like, okay, this is a great story, but like this would never happen. Yeah, right, right, right. Because right. nobody would, would be that much of a dick. They wouldn't, that, they wouldn't approve that in the writer's room. It'd be like, that would never happen. Wow. Jesse, do, do you have your own post-it experience? I'm, I was trying to think about that. I'm not saying like, oh my God, I've never been dumped, but I feel like, Guys are so weak and timid and afraid of confrontation. 
that like normally it would be like a guy is a prick and then I have to be the one that's like, you know, yeah. okay, you know, like we're, let's let's be done with this. Mm-hmm. But I, I do feel like there's been like some bumbles where it's been like I haven't been into them and I've been forcing myself because like they were a lawyer. They were not, you know, okay, let me let me try the nice guy. And then like yeah, yeah. they were like, I'm actually not like, really feeling it. And I was like, I was never fucking feeling it. <laughs> I was just like going, you know. So yeah, not, not yeah. What's yours, Matt? What about you, Matt? Yeah. It's it's hard. I mean, I have a I have like a very dark one, and then I have one that does feel a little more Sex in the City. I, I I mean, the the dark one just very quickly. I was with someone where it was it was a similar thing where I like Carrie was like, well, I have to break up with him because I it was fully like this was the definition of gaslighting what was happening to me and just like emotionally abusive over and over and over again. I was like, I I'm not only not in love with this person, I don't like him. And yet we're in a serious relationship. Like I <laughs> yeah. hate him. And then he had a very tragic death in the family. And I was like, okay, well, I'm obviously now is not the time. I'm, I will stand by him. I will excuse all of the bad behavior. And then it continued. And it was like, well, now I really can't say anything because like what he's going through. And then he broke up with me. And I was like, oh, well, okay. The worst. I, oh, why didn't I get... Anyway, whatever. I also once long, long time ago in my early 20s, you know, was here in LA guy, met a guy at a bar who was visiting from San Francisco. We had a little fling. I went to visit him in San Francisco a couple weekends later. And we, of course, go out to a gay bar. And he, as soon as we sit down with our drinks, disappears and doesn't come back for the entire night. And I think goes home with someone else. Oh my God. So, you know, that was pretty post-it worthy. Well, you obviously weren't wearing your glasses because he would have never done that. (laughs) I wasn't wearing these glasses. That's right. That was my big mistake. Like (laughs) with, this is a stupid, stupid straight girl question. I'm sorry. But like, you know, within heterosexual relationships. No, that's my favorite kind. (laughs) (laughs) There, there are certain dynamics in heterosexual relationships. Like I say like, yeah, the guys are so afraid of confrontation. I would usually have to do it. Alex nods because she knows, like there's just patterns. Like, how does that translate with two guys? Like, are there, does one assume the more female role or they're just completely different dynamics with dating behavior? It's a good question. I, I mean, I think it varies from person to person, but also from relationship to relationship. Like, I think they're like the examples that I've given, I think I, in the context you're talking about, probably playing the more traditional female role. But I know that I have also been the guy and not in a good way many times but then but i don't know i think in the best relationships you're like sort of it's a little more fluid anyway what was i gonna say oh bed we go to bed yes samantha takes the girls to bed and so that's when carrie has this awkward run-in with burgers shitty friends and it leads to one of my i forgot this line was in this episode my i think all-time favorite sjp line delivery is when she comes back from talking to them and yeah. she goes we have to get out of here immediately and downs her champagne mm-hmm. and goes i think that I, I said that so many times in my like weho bar crawl dirtbag mm-hmm. days <laughs> sometimes you just got to get out of there immediately i also do guys do we clock that that friend is michael showalter writer of wet hot american summer <laughs> yeah something i love now about watching sex and the city is how many cameos there were yeah. of oh, like yeah. at the time probably just like 
day players, working professionals in the world, and then to see them rise up the ranks of our industry has been so wild to go back and be like, oh my God, Michael. <laughs> I know. It's amazing. I, I After today, I will have interviewed two people who had a similar experience, but they had like a kind of blink and you'll miss it moment on Sex and the City and then went on to have like a great career mm-hmm. after that. But all of them look back fondly on, you know, their moment yeah. flying so close to the sun. Exactly. Because how could you not? Yeah. So Charlotte is newly engaged to Harry. And when she breaks the news to the girls that they're not going to be bridesmaids, they all cheer and we get it. It's like, oh yeah, we don't have to be bridesmaids. I got to say, I love weddings. I did not relate to that. I love being in weddings. I would have been disappointed to not be a bridesmaid. (laughs) Alex, I'm bringing this up because I think you are literally on your way to a wedding right after this podcast. I'm, I'm on my way to a bachelorette party. Right after this. A bachelorette yeah. party. Okay. I in momentarily I will be that group of women that puts a veil on Charlotte at the end of this episode. That's gonna be me momentarily. <laughs> I'm so jealous. I, I mean, you are really in the thick of this chapter of your of your life, <sighs> I feel. I am in the thick of it. And I don't know if uh, it also is like it's amazing. I love weddings. I love celebrating my friends. It's it's awesome. But I will say it it hits you like a ton of bricks. Like when it didn't happen in my 20s, I was like, oh, my friends are just not the friends that are going to get married. And no, it's just that all my friends rock and got are getting married in their mid to mm-hmm. late 30s as everyone should. And, um, mm-hmm. and so it's great, although it's expensive. I have to be real about that. It it's an expensive, expensive it process. Is. Yeah. Yeah. That's also why it's better when it happens a little later because you're a little less broke. I mean, the oh. weddings I went to in my 20s, I would, if, if we had to stay at a nice hotel, I mean, I can think of one where we, six people mm-hmm. piled into a oh. hotel room because that's what we had to do. Yeah. And by the way, had time of my life. Right. Yeah. Jesse, wh- where are you at emotionally with the, the, the wedding industrial complex? It's an interesting question, Matt. I mean, I'm 38. I'm very much like with my boyfriend. We're, we want to have the family, all of that stuff, but I don't feel like the, the, the yearning in my loins to get married, like members of my family feel for me to get married. So my, you know, my first reaction to Charlotte, I mean, Charlotte is like the least of me of the four of them. And I just, I find mm. her so annoying just because I feel like there's this air of, well, my relationships like are real relationships because I'm getting married and I'm like, fuck you. That doesn't make you fucking special. And like, I, maybe this is just like be, me being bitter, but I just feel like there's a lot of people that, and it, and Charlotte's relationship is such a demonstration of this to me. Like if you look at somebody like Smith and, and Jarrett, like, or Smith and Samantha, they're, Smith, yeah. they're forming this really like secure bond. And then you look at like, I love Harry, but like you look at Harry and Charlotte and it's like, they weren't even fucking together. They broke up. And then it was like, he had to do this grand gesture of like proposing and that, like, like that, that to me is not a secure relationship. Like I know they worked out eventually and that's great. But to me, it's like everything that's wrong about the superiority complex of people who get married. Hmm. Listen, in Charlotte's defense, she has grown quite a bit no. since then. Yes. But I didn't, this, that, that reminds, I didn't ask either of you, do you identify as a Carrie, a Charlotte, a Miranda, what have you? You want to know what, Matt? It's so interesting that you say that because you said something so accurate when and just like that started happening and we started seeing these women get a little older i always felt like everybody was like never was a full charlotte if anything they would always be like oh a little bit of me is charlotte maybe just a little bit but it was always like 
Charlotte was everybody's afterthought. And now I feel like everyone is identifying with Charlotte. Everyone mm, interesting. is loving her. And maybe that's just her arc on and just like that. That's so funny right now. I think she's like yeah. such a comedic breath of like fresh air in the new episodes. But I have always identified with Carrie. And now more and more, I'm like, I love Charlotte. <laughs> I do too. And yeah, there's something about the, and just like that version of Charlotte, especially where it's like, we so romanticize the, every what's happening in this episode of Sex and the City, really, mm-hmm. which is like, just got dumped. Like I'm out there. I mean, I'm smoking weed in the streets. Fuck men. You know, that is like, uh, like this sort of elevated state of being in our minds. And Charlotte never wanted to be that. She, the one thing you can say is she was always true to who she was. She never pretended to be that mm-hmm. girl. And like that her life can still be, by the way, I've said many times, I prefer Carrie to stay single until, you know, the very end. But life can still be great when you are settled down with Harry and married for the rest of your life. Yeah. You know, that's such a good point, Alex. It's, I feel like almost they kind of took. Miranda's sense of humor and like translated it to Charlotte because Miranda seems like way too her arc is so self-serious to me Mm. and and just like that but honestly like this episode made me realize like my biggest takeaway after watching this was like I fucking miss Samantha like I miss her because here's the thing to me they all love each other and they're all best friends Samantha, in my opinion, is the best friend to Carrie. She is such yeah. a warm. We always think of Samantha as crazy. Samantha is so has such a generosity of spirit, and she's so caring. And I, mm-hmm. I just, I fucking love their friendship. And so maternal. Someone yes. just said this last week, and I was like, yeah, that oh, Deanna was like, she has such a maternal energy, and I was like, I've never thought of it that way, but that's exactly what it is. She yeah. is the one who gets the joint. The thing that Carrie wants so badly this entire episode. Like, she's the one who was like, I also got this. I got you. It's a beautiful relationship. I I have a question for the group, though. People always ask, like, who you identify with of them. But I want to know, who do you surround yourself with? If Do you have friends that, like, are all of those women? Or do you gravitate towards people? Like, I gravitate towards Miranda's. All my friends are Miranda mm. Hobbs-esque human beings. Who do, you, who, who, who do you keep in your space? God, it's a good question. It's a great question. Yeah, when I was younger, I, was, I surrounded myself with Samantha's and just because when I, was, I was focused on having fun. And I mean, still am. But I, I think that I am a Charlotte who is surrounded by other Charlottes. And yeah, it's, it's hard. It's a mix. And, and I, think, I think I'm still surrounded by some carries as well like people who are still seekers like mm. that is to me like the epitome of the carry spirit like that yeah when you're a charlotte you kind of need that energy around you to keep you engaged in the world what do you think mm. jesse yeah it's a great question i mean i think friendship i'm i'm 38 so alex you'll you'll see as you get as you get older sex in the city it, like it makes me nostalgic for those college days and for those 20 days where it was really like I had my crew of girls and we would all be together and go out you know my life now is very much like I have a Miranda over here I have a a couple Samanthas over here um I have a Steve you know I have a lot of close guy friends like I have a lot of Steves and Harry's um a couple bigs you know that I will hang out with so it it's it's more kind of just like very but 
I, I will say an arc for me that I'm not super proud of, but it is something that is like happening a lot in my life is I have a lot of, I'm the Miranda and the Carrie is in a relationship that I'm like, girl, what the fuck are you doing? And <sighs> I've had a lot of like, okay, sit on it. It's not your business, Jesse. Let them make it's their, you know, but I think that's a whole whole thing in your thirties of just like who your partners pick and how yeah. it affects your relationships. And it's like, it's ended some of my friendships. So it's, mm. it's real. That is real. That's real. And but were, you, were you always right? I mean, come on. <laughs> but for, but for, but for me, that's the thing. It's like, I can be very judgmental like Miranda and like, like Carrie didn't want Steve. She didn't want Aiden. She wanted fucking big. Like, that's what some mm. people want. They want that hot, cold, does he crumbs? Maybe. Yes. Like, which even if you love big, I mean, that's what it is. It's insecure attachment style to me. Mm-hmm. And it's like some people right. want that. So, you know, have a good divorce. No. But you don't want to see your friends have that. You don't, you know, that that is not the partner you want for your right. friends. You know what it is, Matt? When you're a best friend, you you're in you're in the relationship too, almost like we tell yeah. our friends everything. So I think I just am like, I'm exhausted. I need to go to couples yeah. therapy for your relationship. You know, I mean, I don't know. I guess I just need boundaries. <laughs> yeah. You know, just going back to the Samantha thing, that scene of them smoking the joint together is so great. Cause like, I just can't say it enough. He's to whatever is going on with those two actors off camera, like their chemistry, it's better than any other pairing on the show. Yeah regardless of gender. They are magic mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. I agree. We'll just say that for the millionth time. And and by the way, Samantha in this episode, she's just gotten Smith on TRL. He follows her advice. He goes on the show and says he's not seeing anyone special, which then hurts her, leads her to act out, kiss a random guy in the bar, get in basically a bar fight with these Jersey girls, which brings me to a question for both of you, which is, have you ever been in a bar fight? No, not a, not nothing physical. Nothing physical. I I got pretty mm. close at a concert once. <laughs> what happened there? <laughs> I went to I went to a I was dragged to like like a electric music festival. Oh, and by my brother? Yes, exactly. <laughs> I hate to yep. say, but it was yeah, he dragged mm-hmm. me to one. I did not enjoy it. I, I did not enjoy it. And I had I had a seat. My coat was on the seat. Went to go to the bathroom, came back, someone was in the seat. And I was like, sorry, you're in my seat. My coat's right there. And the person was so out of it, they were like, that's not your coat. And I said, sir, that's my coat. (laughs) What are you talking about? It's right there. I could grab my stuff. It's my coat. He goes, it can't be your coat because this is my seat. And I did get into a full screaming match to the point where I had to be escorted out of the concert. Wow. you know, this show is all about honest conversations where we, we really face our fears. And for some of us, it's a fear of aging. For some of us, it's a fear of carbs. And hey, I get it. The fear is real. But that is why I'm so excited to tell you about our sponsor, Hero Bread. Hero Bread has remade many of your favorite foods, but in these fluffy, delicious versions that include no net carbs, zero grams sugar, and fewer calories, plus protein, and fiber. Two of my favorite things. I've always said, if I ever have twin children, their names are going to be protein and fiber. What did I have for lunch today? 
a tuna sandwich on their seeded bread. It was the perfect texture. It toasts up just like a dream. My God, was it good. And right now, if you go to hero.co and use code like Matt, you will get 10% off your first order. So don't give up on being a breadhead. Because Hero Bread is offering 10% off your order. Go to hero.co, use code like Matt at checkout. That's like Matt at H E R O dot C O. Did you just do that as an excuse to leave? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Like, Jesse, I feel like you've gotten into some scraps. Um, thank you. No, I, I was just, I only just like road rage. Like I, I will like get out of my mm. car. Like I need to be better. I need to be better. But I, yeah, I'll like charge. But I, the funny thing about me is I will like with men, I'm like, let's fucking go. Like I live in Glendale, the amount of like Armenian men that I've been like, let's fucking go, dude. But with women, I'm terrified of women. Like I will always, no matter what, try to keep the peace. What about you? Mm, smart. I, the only, the closest thing I've ever been into a bar, this is not a moment I'm proud of, but this was, you know, my younger years, kind of, again, WeHo, Barfly, Dirtbag, period. But I had one friend with me who was like a perfect angel of a person. It's a long story, but this person, I'm going to say this was just a messy gay boy in a wig and not a drag queen. I make that (laughs) distinction distinction because- I would I would not get into a fight with a drag queen or someone who was like on like a gender journey in that way. Like that was not the vibe. The vibe was just like this is another like drunken weho gay boy who threw on a wig as a joke on his way out. And this person got up in my friend's face and said something very pointed and very mean. And this was just someone who like I I is just a, a perfect human being mm-hmm. that like of all the people to say something cruel to. And I grabbed this person by the cheeks. Like I went like this. The listeners can't see it. I grabbed them face like this. And I go, you shut the fuck up. So and I never harmed them in any way, but I did put a hand on them. And I I essentially chubbed their cheeks, listener. That's the best way I can describe the motion that I'm doing is if you chub chub someone's cheek, you know, you grab them and squeeze the cheek. I I go, shut the fuck up. And then they flipped the fuck out and had a a handler, this very large man who apparently was with them, swooped in out of nowhere and grabbed this person just in time to pull them back because right after I chubbed their cheeks, he kicked his leg up in the air and like full matrix style. Like I saw the shoe like brush (laughs) past my nose and just like like centimeters away from kicking me in the face and miss. And then they drag, they drag this kid out and he's literally like clawing onto the doorway of the bar trying to not get dragged out of there and yeah that's an amazing Again, story oh, my proudest moment that's, that's very fabulous. samantha no you're such yeah. a good friend Matt. you are you're such a good friend you are i i do i stand by that like anyone who was friends with this person would have done the same it was just like you cannot this perfect angel anyway <laughs> can i ask Miranda, a, oh, go ahead, you go. oh yeah go. please no, no, go ahead. I just, I'm so curious because they, so the club they go to, they go to bed. They go to this great new opening mm-hmm. of a club. What's like the craziest opening or bar experience you've ever had? Have you ever been to thematic openings of anything that you were like, this is crazy? Because the idea of a club called Bed in New York City where they're on beds 
and the bartenders are in oh like only yeah, in boxers and a uh, sleep mask on their head is crazy but in this beautiful fantasy new york world that the show has created it feels possible and as a new yorker going on 15 years <laughs> it's it seems so crazy and yet i'm constantly looking for that experience same you know i'm i googled as you were saying as you were talking to find out if bed was real and it is not no. but there was a similar place in miami this was an actual real trend there's the, in the i don't know what years we're talking but um wow. yeah the sleepy time trend the quick rise and tragic fall of bed clubs oh. but yeah i don't know i was never very cool enough to go to like any club openings of any kind. I mean, I went to the same sort of trashy gay clubs over and over again, but nothing like glamorous. Jesse, you? But I feel like the trashy is what's glamorous, like especially in New mm. York. I mean, honestly, I was on, I was just so drunk on so many drugs, like especially in New York. I don't really remember and I, I don't really need to remember, but I did, mm. you know, from those DVDs, Watching the Sex and the City, I remember my my parents used to make fun of me because I'd like literally be like, I brought all these huge heels to New York and I'd be like hobbling down the street and then I'd like <laughs> roll my ankle and then just, I was the barefoot bitch at the club. That was me. Yeah. <laughs> Alex, any exciting club openings for you? You're probably going to one like tomorrow night. I don't know. I mean, not not to that extent. I am someone who has awesome friends in high places. And I kind of just ride on the coattails of that. Like in one of my best friends who now is a Broadway lyricist, but when we were in our twenties, she was hostess at catch when it was first opening in Ooh, the meatpacking wow. district. So that was nice. like a big stomping ground of mine. I would go to catch. I would go to like the boom, boom room on the top floor. I would do all that, but those were like established huge meatpacking district clubs. It wasn't like I would go to like any openings. Although I would, but another thing I would cool. always do. Like, those are cool. Like, like, yeah. like the meatpacking district before it became, like when Samantha lived there. Like I feel like that yes. was the height of it. Yeah. No. Um, she put them on the map as far as I'm concerned. I agree. <laughs> the, the thing that I think is so brilliant about like just to go back to the post of, of it all is like when it's so real, when you go through like a shitty breakup or a shitty situationship, it doesn't matter where you take Carrie, she's not going to stop talking about it. And like, when I had this shitty breakup with this guy, I literally was like, I'm not going to break up with him. I knew I had to break up with him, but I was like, not before my birthday. And I can't do birthday and Valentine's Day. Let me have that. Just give me that universe. Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. we had this night where I was like, he was so drunk and he was saying the craziest shit to me. And I was like, I, I, I'm going to be single on my birthday. So I like had a birthday party. I invited all his friends. And I mean, every, and I literally just anybody would that would listen. I'm like, let me tell you about the shit he would say to me. And it was just so... Like in my little Betsy Johnson polka dot dress, just like that's what watching the episode reminded me of. I'm like, oh yeah, you just yeah. got to get it out, girl. Yeah. You just got to talk yeah. shit. You got to talk shit to his friends. The other thing that I think is brilliant about that scene, it's so good is because it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. They're saying that they don't like breaking up in any normal way because the girl gets psycho. And then you slowly see Carrie getting psycho. Like it is like, but she's only doing that because she was broken up with in this way. So it's beautiful. It's a multi-layered of like how much the scene is commenting on. 
You know what I mean? Yes. Wait, brilliant. That's a brilliant point. Brilliant. No, you're brilliant, Alex. Oh, oh, Jesse. Can I ask a question? And you're very pretty, not just because we look alike. You're very pretty. We do. We do look alike. What do you guys think, like, what happened with Berger for him to do that? Why did he do that? Like, take me through the scene of how and why he broke up with her on a post-it. That's toughie. That is a toughie. I mean, well, he did it in the middle of the night. We know that. Mm-hmm. In the, this was a previous episode, so I haven't seen it in a minute. But I don't know. I am picturing him like literally unable to sleep because he's so consumed by like prof- like just in- insecurities mm-hmm. around. Because he he had he has sort of the, this like terrible double whammy of like feeling threatened by Carrie as a writer, but then also like not being able to get it up in bed. It's like like every, at every angle he was feeling like not enough. And I'm sure he was just like tormented by that. Also the show gives us crumbs that he would do this. Do you remember when Carrie bought him the Prada shirt that he was so uncomfortable with that when he was wearing it, he like left her on the street in his, on his motorcycle at the opening of Smith's show. Right. He would the show has given us crumbs that he, when he is uncomfortable, he's a fleer. Like they did it a few times in the arc leading up to the post-it. So I do think that it's like, this is what I do. I'm uncomfortable, but I can't be in this anymore. I'm gonna leave a post-it. And I love that it's a post-it because that does feel like a man move. I just need to find something I can write on in the space. Oh, there's a post-it. I'm going to leave this post-it here. I think the show gives us the steps of this person doing this thing. And then the aftermath of how it's written out is also just the nail on the coffin. It's brilliant. Yeah, it's a murder mystery. And you look back and all the clues were there. Right, right. Yeah, you know. The in the last scene, you know, you've got the four of them sharing the banana split, and it's just another perfect uh. moment encapsulates everything we love about the show. And Carrie has this epiphany that about why Berger did this, like kind of answering the question you are asking, Jesse. But then she forgets it because she's stoned, and then that's the end of the story. We never see Berger again. So it has been a recurring theme on this podcast: the idea that Berger must return in. Uh, season three of just like that. Oh. So we can finally get some closure here. Oh. And as you know, I famously, I am the reason that Kim Cattrall came back to the show. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I just say that because I think we can really manifest this. So how would you like to see it play out? I think that it would have to be, I think that we've already done, we're bringing back someone from her past to date her. I feel like if we bring Berger back, I wonder if he has a family, like he is unavailable. Mm-hmm. He has a, he has a beautiful life. I don't know. I don't know what what would happen if like she reenters an affair. Oh, I don't know, but I feel like we can't do Aiden again. We cannot do like right. Oh, someone from her past has come in. They had loved ones. They're just in a relationship now. There has to be something yeah. else. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. But the difference is the big arc for her and Aiden is Aiden forgiving her. And this mm. is a, a relationship where like <gasps> she's really the one who would have to do the forgiving. Like right. we've never really gotten to see her want revenge on someone. And I and I'm sure she's moved on. This was a long time ago and it was a short relationship, mm-hmm. but like there is unfinished business there. And it would just be and and also it could be something professional, like maybe the tables have turned and I don't remember which guest was 
pitching this in our little <laughs> makeshift writer's room, but let Berger is now a successful writer, even more successful than Carrie. And she gets a taste of her own medicine there. I, I don't oh. think I don't, know. We I haven't, don't we think haven't he's more, I don't think he's more successful than her. I don't know if this is like cinema, but to me, what happened to Berger, like you guys kind of helped me realize like he's just not capable. Like you wouldn't be mad at your dog for not being able to cook you dinner. Berger is not capable of loving Carrie the way that she needs and deserves to be loved. He just doesn't have it in him. So I honestly mm-hmm. think he's in the same apartment and that exposed brick looked cool when you were in your 30s, but now we're in our 50s and he's still in that mm. studio apartment. I think he had one hit book. Now he's like an adjunct professor at NYU. I think he kind of has some Me Too stuff floating around. Like, I, I think he's still dating, you know, 30 year olds, but now he's in his 50s. And I think nothing has changed with Burger because he won't go to therapy. That's Great. That's and you know so what? Just made, I, I, I thought of our Jesse, way in that. could be that he has hit rock bottom uh. and he has finally joined AA and Miranda sees him at a meeting <gasps> and she's <gasps> like, she's like, oh God, I want to tell Carrie, but it's anonymous, but like, this is too good. And she has oh, to that's grapple so with good, that. Matt. That's thing. so good. That's excellent. Okay. Well, Michael Patrick, if you're listening, we wow. solved another one for you. I will let you go. I just, uh-huh. one last question, kind of going back to Charlotte's storyline, you know, where she's on cloud nine because she just loves the feeling of being engaged. And we talked a little bit about this. And Jesse, I know you've done some Instagram fake outs where you pretended that you and Rufus were engaged, but it really, it was like, I don't That's know, announcing great. that you got a dog or something. <laughs> but Alex, just on the topic of engagements, oh, um, I don't know. I guess I don't have a question. I just wanted to say that it's something I'm really interested in with you specifically. (laughs) Great. Great. Brendan, if you're hearing this at this point. Brendan. (laughs) You know what? Go to the, she'll go to the, she'll go to Burning Man with you. He'll do it at Burning Man. Please. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. She'll do it anyway. I mean, also I, I, this might not come out till after, this won't come out till after Thanksgiving, but I'm going to be there for Thanksgiving. I'm going to see you guys. I know. That that could also be a fun, I I need to be there, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. He, (laughs) he now has, uh, he has to get his shit together in a few days to make that happen. Because people will be there. I do actually yeah. want something where my friends and family are there. So note. Well, yeah. yeah. Brendan. The holidays are upon us. <laughs> Brendan. Well, what um what is Brendan? Like, is he a Steve? Is he a big? Is he an Aiden? <gasps> That's a great question. I don't know if there's a perfect comparison. He's not a big. He's not and a big. I, I mean, and that's important to note because I hate big. And Brendan is just a perfect little sweetheart. Yeah. I mean, he's more, Jeff, much more in the vein of your Aidens and your Steves, mm-hmm. just the the heart of gold. Good guy. Guys. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The, just the guy that you want, you know, to be your brother, the guy that you want to marry your friend, you know, he's that, he's that <laughs> Wait, person. Wait, so Matt, you, you, you hate big. Does that mean you love Aiden? I have grown to love Aiden. At the time, I, you know, when we were young, I was like, get him out of here. You know, mm-hmm. with his weird like noises and his eating KFC in bed while he shames her for smoking, and it's like, well, you're you're, <laughs> you're probably doing something even worse. But I've grown to, I've really grown to love him. Uh, you know what? I mean, I'm just repeating myself over and over again on this podcast. But this is what encapsulates it for me. Big doesn't show up for Lily's piano recital, <gasps> even though. 
Yes. Uh, this is this is Charlotte's. This is Carrie's family. Carrie doesn't have parents. Doesn't have fa- like Charlotte's family is it. The girls are it. And he can't even fucking bother to show up because he wants to ride his Peloton at home. Great. You deserve to die. (laughs) Meanwhile, you will recall that when they were dating, barely hanging on by a thread, and Carrie was being a total dick to him, Aiden takes like three trains to Philadelphia to go to Miranda's mom's funeral. Oh, right, right. Like he is that person. Yes. So I do love him. Yeah. But then what do you, I, I know we have to wrap, but I, what, what, what do you make of Aiden coming back this season though? Cause I'll tell you what is this revisionist history is we- very weird to me how they're like, how Carrie's okay, fine. Aiden comes back. Great. You're older. You're more mature. You're tired. You're ready for Aiden. You're tired. But I, I was so confused how she was just like, it actually wasn't big. It actually wasn't big. It's like, girl, just be real. I think she's been listening to this podcast and I've been talking to some sense into her. And she was like, yeah, fuck that guy. Like, I'm, we had some fun, but yeah, like burn in Peloton hell, big. Yeah. Like she deserves somebody who's going to treat her like a queen. But do you know what I wish they would have done? Do you know what I fucking wish? Tell us. Call me. I just think it would be such a fascinating story if she, if her and Big are together and then Big gets me too. Oh, oh shit. shit. Oh, wow. wow. That would have been. Like no, every actor that's amazing. got like Jeffrey Tambor, how fascinating would it be if Jeffrey Tambor in Transparent got me too? And they, they always want to kill off the men. Instead that of killing too'd. the character off. I promise you, yeah. when my show's on the air and my lead actor gets me too, I will work it into the storyline. I can promise you that. Oh my gosh. I think that he needs to stay as the love of her life in her brain, which is so, until maybe th- things are being revealed slowly, but surely like almost like she's like coming to her trauma later is, mm-hmm. you know, how th- that unfolds. C- can I tell you what I wanted? I'm so sorry. I have to, I have to. Please. So, and then just like that, I love, I love that we get like a woman in her late 50s single. That is iconic. I want to see that with Carrie. I love that Charlotte is Charlotte. We get just like a woman who's married with kids that drive her crazy and she's doing her best. Love that. I would have loved to see Miranda enter into a genuinely either open or polyamorous relationship with Steve. I would have loved us not to fucking torpedo. Sorry, I didn't mean to cuss. Not to torpedo that relationship to keep it as that beautiful thing that we've loved. I don't think we needed to torpedo it in order for Miranda to be on a journey. I think they could have stayed together in a genuinely open relationship. And then we would have had to deal with Steve also having sex, but it's okay. And him also out there and maybe Miranda has to meet the people he's having sex with, but they're making it work because they are in a beautiful, open relationship. Alex, I I said this not nearly as well, but just last recording of the show, I'm so with you because it's a way that we could keep Steve in the picture. And like that could be the one good thing that came out of dating Che is that Miranda was like, okay, there are different relationship models. Like everything just need to be you know, sort of this binary. Totally. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, once again, we've solved the entire show. <laughs> Jesse Conweiler, Alexandra Nader, uh, I love you both. Thank you so much for doing this. Love you guys. Love you. This is awesome. <laughs>
And that's our show. Please do give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Instagram at and just like Matt Pod. And Just Like Matt is a World of Wonder production created and hosted by me, Matt McConkie. Our executive producer is Renee Colvert. Our associate producer is Jess Walinski. And our audio engineer is Justin Matson. Many thanks to Michael Pressman and everyone at World of Wonder. Thank you.